I'm really excited about the new message series we begin this morning uh, called Mind Games, and I think it could be very helpful. I know that, that I'm looking forward to uh, studying these things and preaching these things personally. In fact, I'd like us to start um, right now by playing a mind game together. We're going to play something called Word Scrabble. I'll show you some scrabbled letters up here, and as quick as you can figure it out, uh, just uh, yell out what the word is. We'll start just with a three-letter word, another name for a friend. If we can show that. Boy, you guys are very quick. All right. We move on to the next letter, a four-letter word. Let's show that one. You would like your friend to be nice, wouldn't you? That's a good thing in a friendship. All right. Let's go to a five-letter word. You're looking for this kind of a friend? Loyal. Okay. You guys have been so good. Let's see. This is the the next word. It's got a lot more letters. And uh, let's see who can be the first to um, shout it out. Keep guessing, April. Who's got it? Confidential Bill Page, you win a landmark car tag, all right? (laughs) We got lots of these, all right? (laughs) You did really well, okay. And now let's flash up there, probably the most significant friendship word known. Absolutely, all right. That's a great term. Guys, let's think about mind games for a moment. We just played a mind game, and there are two different definitions found in your dictionary about mind game. One is what we just did, which is any game designed to exercise the mind, all right? Just to keep your mind going. But the second definition is not quite so so positive. It's, It's psychological manipulation or strategy used to gain advantage or to intimidate. So often we say, someone, you're, you're playing a mind game with me. You're trying to gain advantage over me. You're trying to intimidate me. In fact, um, there was an article a couple years ago in the Washington Post that was entitled Mind Games. And, and what was talked about there is a group of, a growing group actually of Americans who believe our government is playing mind games with us, but not just the way you might think on surface. These people think the government has actually developed a weapon that can beam voices into people's minds. The government now has the ability to beam a voice into your mind. And actually, if you'll go on the um, internet, you'll see there's lots of websites devoted to this. There's lots of conventions. They even have come up with a name for who they are. It's called TI, Targeted Individuals. And so there's a great group of people out there who've gone so far that they believe our government is targeting our mind with thoughts and images to try to destroy us, control us, and intimidate us. Now, frankly, I don't know about that. I really doubt that. But here's what I do know this morning. There is a force on this earth that is seeking to intimidate you, to manipulate you, and one of his greatest tools is by planting thoughts in your mind. I do believe that happens. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, where Paul's afraid the people in this church are having a mind game played on them by Satan. And he says to them, we do, and we do this so that we can, may not be outwitted by Satan. 
for we are not ignorant of his designs. Well, what's Paul saying there? Guys, you are a targeted individual, and, and Satan is seeking to outwit you with his devices. Many translations say there, with his schemes. Now, if you read this in context, here's what's going on. Here's the mind game Satan is playing. The church has had a member that slept with his mother-in-law. And the church called him to repentance, and he repented. But the church is having a hard time forgiving him. And so Paul says, Satan's playing a mind game on you, because if you don't forgive him, not only will it hurt him, now he's repented, but it will destroy you. And one of the great mind games that Satan plays on us is a lack of forgiveness. And so Paul says, you've been targeted this way. You need to be aware of Satan's schemes so that you can forgive this man and you can move on. So let's talk about three things this morning. We're going to talk about the target. We're going to talk about the truth of this target and why it's so dangerous. And then we're going to give you one takeaway to take home with you. First of all, the target. The target is your mind. The Bible says Satan is a liar. He is a deceiver. You know what Satan wants to do? He wants to come in your mind, plant these thoughts that will confuse you about what's right and wrong and confuse you about your life. And you could even get to the point of one of my favorite characters of Seinfeld. Anybody remember George Costanza? And he famously said once, it's not a lie if you believe it. Well, that's how bad it can get. He brings the lie into our life, and we believe it. Now, I hope you're taking notes. There's an outline there in your bulletin. Let's talk about this for a second. Why does he target our mind? And here's the answer. Your train of thought determines your destination. Say that with me. Your train of thought determines your destination. That's what Satan knows. If he can get a thought planted in your mind that you don't let go of, he can determine your destination. For, for instance, the illustration that was used in Corinthians. If, if Satan can convince them this guy in the church has done something so evil that it is unforgivable, where does that train of thought lead you? It leads you to bitterness. Now, we can think of all kinds of others. We know that unresolved anger is often the train of thought that leads someone to depression. Listen to me, guys. Your thoughts will lead you somewhere. How about this one? I think this is one of the number one lies and deceptions that Satan will plant in your mind if you're married. If we're not happy... We must not be right for each other. That's a popular American view. And so the moment you become unhappy, then you go, you know what? We're not right for each other. We don't need to live up to our commitment. It's not going to get any better. And so that will lead to the divorce and the destruction of your marriage. And then another sort of similar one is we think in our mind, I can't be happy as long as I have this job. 
I can't be happy as long as I live in this house. I can't be happy as long as this is going on. Satan convinces us that we cannot have joy until our circumstances change it. So if your joy begins to be dependent on your circumstances, my friend, the destination is you are going to be a joyless person. And then here's, boy, here's a, here's a big one. He'll plant this in your mind. Maybe your problem is not forgiving someone else. Your problem's forgiving you. And so Satan plants this thought in your mind. What you have done is so awful, God can never forgive you. In fact, God cannot love you. And I'm not trying to be crude here, but that train of thought will lead you to hell. And so Satan is so good because he understands this principle. The Bible agrees with this. Look at Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Many of us grew up with lunchroom signs that said, you are what you eat. The wisest man who ever lived would disagree with that. He would say, you are what you think. Now let's go to a little deeper passage. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. But it's the same principle. Those who live according to the flesh have their what? You guys, with, you guys with me? Have their what? Their minds. Set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their what? Minds set on what the Spirit desires. Paul says you're going in one direction or the other. Either you're going the way of the flesh or you're going the way of the Spirit. The determination is where you set your mind. And so no wonder Satan would make that the target because the train of your thoughts will lead you and determine your destination. And so what I want you to understand here, guys, is those secret conversations that you and I have in our mind, they are either blessing you or they are cursing you. They are not neutral. Now, here's the truth we've got to face if we can get a handle on this. Here's the truth. Your mind is your most unprotected asset. For most of us, I think that's true. Of all the wonderful things God's given us, often our mind goes unprotected. And yet it's our best asset. Right now, our government is spending billions of dollars trying to protect our computer programs. Because so much now is computer-driven, we know cyber warfare could, in many ways, destroy our country. And so it's a great asset, but if it's unprotected, it's wide open to what can happen. That's your mind, my friends. Your mind, if it's unprotected, unguarded, is wide open to all of Satan's schemes. Now, why is the mind such a vulnerable asset? Here it is, guys. Nobody sees it. Nobody sees what's going on. We tend to be careful about the parts of our life that people see or hear. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I watch my language in front of you because I know that you hear it. I, I watch some of the things I do in front of you because you see it. But here's what makes the, 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 the brain, the mind so vulnerable. Nobody sees it. I mean, it's like, I mean, we, we understand this. If, if you're having company over to your house, what areas do you clean first? You, you clean what people see, right? I mean, you, you're going to clean the living room much better than the basement, right? How many got a place where you stuff everything? 
All right? If you visit our house, do not come to our bedroom closet. All right? You may be injured when you open the door, all right? Because last minute, you know, everything is thrown in that because hopefully that is unseen. I remember being a kid, and uh, we had this house, and we had this... Um, we had this little den that was made up of a half of a garage that had been turned into a den. And uh, it was a multi-level house, and so there were just a, a narrow stairway going from the foyer down to that den. And so me and my three older, older brothers were told that we were supposed to clean the den. Well, my brothers had this evil idea, all right? <laughs> I'm not sure who it was. But the idea was, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to clean what you can see from the top of the steps. So we just took everything, and that little pathway was nice. Everything else was a junk pile. Needless to say, we were caught. And we live to see today, which is awesome, all right? Because that, that's what we all do. We, we work on the parts that are seen, and, and often the parts that are unseen, we don't clean. And that's exactly what happens in our life is that we work on everything people can see and notice about us. There's great accountability there, but the things that are unseen. Now, can you imagine your thought life just for a moment? How about your thought life if it was put up on screens like this? If everything you've thought over the last week was somehow able to be put up on screens, do you think we might be more careful? We moved in a new house a few months ago, and we've not been able to get curtains up in our, our den, and so there's a big bank of windows, and our TV is right in front of it. And uh, some of our neighbors told us the other day, said, our kids sit on their front porch, and they watch your TV. <laughs> That's the best accountability we've ever had. I mean, it has cleaned up Stephanie's viewing habits greatly, I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, they, sorry, they can see. And guys, that's the way it is in our life. Guys, it, people can see, we, we work on it. And that's what makes the mind so vulnerable is we can, we can have all this stuff going on up here that nobody sees, and so we don't work on that. So what do we do? Let me show you a very practical passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. Paul says, we do live in the world, but we do not fight in the same way the world fights. We fight with weapons that are different from those the world uses. Our weapons have power from God that can destroy the enemy's strong places. Stop there just for a moment. Because what is a strong place? Many of your translations say they're a stronghold. It is a fortified area under the control of your enemy. That's what a stronghold is. It's a place the enemy has fortified, guarded. What's he saying? The enemy will come into your mind and he will build a stronghold. Many of us, the quality of our life is diminished today because the enemy has some mental strongholds. How does it happen? You started with a thought maybe that your parents planted in your mind. Maybe your best friend planted in your mind. Maybe Satan just simply planted in your mind. And you've thought of it over and over and over and over and over again. And it's worn a rut to the point that now it's a stronghold. You may not even notice it. Because you, if you're like me, I just traditionally think, well, I just think what I think. Keep reading. We destroy people's arguments and every proud thing that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's the key line here. We capture every thought... Make it give up 
and obey Christ. Don't you love that? We capture every thought, make it give up, and make it obey Christ. That's our challenge. That's the way we protect this incredible asset that's used for either good or evil in our life is that we learn to take and capture every thought. We don't let just anything float through our mind without capturing it, making it give up, twisting its arm to it gives up, and finally making it obey Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, let's go to our final point here. Here's the takeaway. Here's the step I want you to take and me to take this week, all right? And here's the takeaway. Think about what you think about. Say that phrase with me. Think about what you think about. Say it again. Think about what you think about. That sounds sort of crazy, doesn't it? Because that's, that's why Satan's able to take advantage of us. I just assume, like I said a moment ago, whatever floats through my mind is okay. I mean, that's just the way I think. I thought that way for a long time, you know. And so, guys, what we have done is we have allowed some uninvited guests to come in our mind that can destroy us. I'm just thinking your home. Just think if someone you don't know, you don't have a clue of, knock on your door in the middle of the night. You have no record of who they are or what they've done. You know, your job would be to protect your family to say, no, you, you're not going to be, I don't know you, I don't know your record. I, no, you can't just walk, walk in here in the middle of the night. How about if you just let anybody who wanted to just walk in your house and camp out? Well, you, you know, you'd end up putting yourself and your family in a very dangerous situation. You just wouldn't do that. But here's the problem, guys. Most of us have allowed all kinds of thoughts come into our mind We bring them in, give them a lazy boy to sit on, give them our remote, and begin to entertain their thoughts. Because I've not put this protection up that says, no, you're not coming into my mind. Because I know every train of thought has a destination, and if I hook on to this, my destination is not going to be good. So how do you start doing differently? You think about what you think about. You begin to be alert to what is going on in your mind. And so here's my challenge this week. As you go through this week, think about what you think about, asking this question. Are these thoughts helpful thoughts? Are they godly thoughts? If I keep thinking this way, What's my destination? Mentally? Emotionally? Spiritually? It's like some of the things we talked about earlier. When you begin to have a lack of forgiveness and you take that thought and say, No, God has forgiven me way more than anything this person's done to me. I forgive them. That's going to lead not to bitterness, but to peace. If you've got anger, you know, and you resolve that anger in your mind, instead of holding on to it, you can begin to escape the depression. If you don't have a happy marriage right now, and Satan's whispering to you right now, the whole purpose of marriage is for you to be happy, and you're not happy, so you ought to get out of it. And you take that thought captive and say, no, God said this is a lifetime commitment. Oh, there's some exceptions, but this is a lifetime commitment. 
Or if you're thinking right now, you know what? I can never be happy in this job I got right now. I'm just going to be miserable. You've signed yourself up for misery. But if you could decide today and take that thought captive and believe that, that joy is not an, an outside job, it's an inside job, and, and that God can give you an inner joy, that even in a miserable circumstance, you can have joy in the midst of it. The Bible is full of those kind of stories. You can take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And if you believe that God can't forgive you and that God doesn't love you, I beg you to open your Bible and look at how much God loves you and look at how forgiving God is. And that thought will lead you not to hell, but to heaven and to salvation. So here's some steps we're going to take over the next few weeks. It's the beginning of a a five-week message series. First of all, become aware of your thoughts. Second, become aware of God's will. Okay, you got, here, 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 here's what I think, you know. Maybe some things you've been thinking for decades are really not healthy things to think. And that's why you are where you are right now. And this week, you start recognizing that. And here's what I want you to do. You recognize that and you compare that to God's will. Listen to this passage. This will be a key passage in our study the next few weeks. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed... By the renewing of your mind. The greatest thing that could transform your life is to renew your mind. For you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So take that thought, think about it, test it against God's will. And then, here's our next point. Become aware of God's power. God has empowered you through the Holy Spirit to be victorious in your thought life. And number four, become aware of biblical truths. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at biblical tools in which you can learn to control your thoughts. Now, here's the good news this morning. Here's the really good news. If through God's power, you can improve your thought life, you can improve every area of your life. You believe that? If through God's power, you could improve your thought life, you can improve every area of your life. You can improve your home, your marriage, your work environment, and more than anything, your inner life. One writer I was reading said, if any of us simply made a 30% improvement in our thought life, just 30%, our life could be radically different. I like what Dr. Kevin Elko said, who is our gridiron speaker. It's just one little nugget that might help you. Save the label of awful for something that is truly awful. Because a lot of us are miserable because we walk through life Oh, that's awful. Can't believe that happened. Oh, that's terrible, man. I read the news. Oh, the world's falling apart. Oh, my boss did me wrong. Everything is just awful, awful, awful. My friends, you tell yourself everything's awful long enough, you're going to feel awful. So I like what Dr. Elko says. Just save that. As you're watching your thoughts this week, how many times do you use that word? Or a word similar to it? Save that till something really awful happens. There are those things. So if you can improve your thought life, you can improve every area of your life. So, let's start right now. How do we stop Satan's mind games? 
Here's what I want to say to you. Make Jesus your best friend. You say, buddy, you're just saying that because it's friend day and that fits in good. No, no, I'm not just saying that. Let me explain that for a moment. Your thought life is a reflection of your self-image, of how you feel about yourself, all right? Amen. Okay, let's go. (laughs) Somebody's having some bad thoughts. You don't have to run. It's all right. We're in good shape, all right? (laughs) Okay, now we got your attention. Here we go. Your self-image is a reflection of your thought life. Here's what experts say about self-image. Self-image is the view you have of yourself that is determined by how you believe the significant others in your life look at you. Not necessarily how they look at you, but what you believe about how they look at you. For instance, if you're a child, your self-image will be determined from your parents. Many in here may have been scarred in your life because of abuse from your parents. And it's, it's affected you. It's affected your security because that is what your view of how they looked at you determines a lot of how you feel about yourself. As you get older, you move on from your parents to your peers. And your self-image begins to be built by your peers. Or maybe finally by your mate or someone. It's your view of how you believe they view you. Now, here's the problem with that. You can't control that. You can't control how your friends look at you or your parents looked at you or anybody else. Hopefully it's good, but you can't control that. That's why it's so important to make Jesus your best friend. Because listen to me, when Jesus becomes your best friend, when he is the most significant person in your life, here's the good news, you can absolutely know that he loves you. The Bible says, Jeremiah 31 verse 3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jesus says, I, everybody else in your life may forsake you, but I will never leave you nor forsake you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What's it saying there? God loves us. How much does he love us? He loved us enough for his son to be executed in one of the most gruesome ways known in history. And at the same time, all the wrath of God was poured on him for the one fact that he loved you and wanted to get you out of your mess that we call being lost. So here we go. If, if Jesus can become your best friend, the significant other in your life, guaranteed, he's always going to love you. Guaranteed, he's never going to forsake you. And when you believe that, you can begin to be rebuilt from the inside out. And you can begin to feel good inside not because all your circumstances are good or everybody likes you or patting you on the back or you got the raise or the promotion, you can feel good because God loves you. And that's eternal. So can I ask you this morning, is Jesus your best friend? I mean, we're celebrating our friends today and you've honored us by coming to be with us. Thank you. There are very few things in life more valuable than a friend. There is nothing in life more valuable than Jesus being your best friend. And so today, if you'd like to make Jesus your best friend, we invite you to come. 
But I also want to invite another group of us. As, as, as we've been going through this message and been throwing out different ideas, what's been popping up in your brain? As we've talked about different thought life issues and struggles, are, are there some of us here that we go, you know what? Boy, I have got, there's, there's this stronghold Satan has built in my mind. I think this thought over and over and over again. You ever get there? If you're like me, if I can finally tell somebody how messed up I'm thinking, I immediately feel good. The Bible calls that the power of confession. Guys, we hear, here's how Satan's going to trap you. is If he can plant that thought in your mind about yourself, about your life, about your happiness, about your marriage, about your children, about you, and you just replay it over and over and over and over and over and over again, he's got you trapped. And that train of thought, you better believe it, is going to lead you to a destination you don't want to go to. So one of the most practical things you can do, as right now you've already begun to think about what you think about, is just tell somebody. Just tell somebody. And just pray about it. Maybe it's something you've been struggling with for a long time. You've, I ate lunch with a guy this week. He said, man, I, I have never told anybody this. And, 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 and once he told me, he's like, man... It wasn't anything big time. It's just like it's something that had caused him to be unhappy where he worked, unhappy everything he did. But once he said it and we prayed about it, he was immediately better. So today, I want to invite all the elders and staff that are here to come sit on this front row, all of our elders and staff. And, and when we begin to sing in a minute, if there's something that you need, a part of your thought light, you, you just want to go ahead right now today and get out, then I invite you just to come bow around these steps and one of our elders or staff people just can come put a hand on you. They're going to ask you your name, so make sure you give, you give them your name. And then just tell them as much or as little as you want to tell them just about what you're struggling with in your thought life. Because here's the danger. The danger is you'll never get past it until you let somebody else see it. Until you begin to clean out the closet. You know what I'm saying? So, while we're singing, if you need to come up here and want to pray for something, you can come talk to me. If you just need to come up here and have a quick prayer about what's going on in your mind, there are people, I guarantee in this audience, that are struggling in their thought life. And today could be a first step as we begin this message series of us taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. Because let me tell you, my friend, you are a targeted individual. You are. And maybe you've been unaware that what's going on within you is because Satan has been planning thoughts in your mind that you have entertained for too long. And today's the day to put a marker down and say, you know, I don't want to tell everybody here, but I'd like to tell somebody I trust so they can pray for me. If you need to do that, it'll be a beautiful time for you. Why don't you come right now while we stand and sing?